All right, good morning, City Light. How are we doing? Good morning. good morning. It's good to see you guys. Go ahead and open your Bible to Genesis chapter 1. Uh, if you're new to the Bible or just get lost, it's the first page. So we're making things easy this morning, all right? The very, very first page, Genesis chapter 1. Before we dive into that, uh, I want to remind a couple of things coming up. Remember our Celebrate Week, June 21st through 26th. We want to celebrate our city by serving our city. And so we have all sorts of things lined up. Please mark those times in your calendar. And just whatever time you have free, we have something day and night. Particularly, we're running a sports camp for kids in our community, also kids in our congregation, if they would like to be involved, uh, from 5 to 8, Monday through Friday. And so if you know someone that would love to be involved in that or have family members or kids that would love to sign up, the sign-ups are in the back. You can sign up. Uh, you have to fill out a form. And also, if you want to coach or be a, a, help, a helper, a servant leader, we would love to have you there. Listen, this is kids' sports, okay? So it doesn't matter if you know anything about sports. Just be nice. That's it. Just be nice and say, hey, little Jimmy, kick the ball over there. That's all you got to do. That's it. That's the only thing, okay? So you don't need to know anything about sports, nothing, all right? Just come be a responsible, nice person uh, who will exemplify Jesus' will. We would love to have you there. And so if you can mark any of your time in that. Uh, also, um, as a part of that week, I'm excited we're able to pull this off uh, through a few things happening the last few weeks. But on the Saturday, June 26th, we're having a vaccination site here at City Light Church uh, that's going to make the vaccination available to our entire community for free. And so we're very excited about what that looks like uh, for our community to bless them. Uh, it's also open to you guys, so if you haven't been vaccinated and want to, uh, that'll be free 9 to 5. You just have to fill out a form. And so if you know people, maybe in our community or friends and family, you can give them the form. They just have to bring it back before the day of. You can fill it out yourself. You can go pass it out uh, in our community. You can take it to the grocery store, whatever it might be. Anybody's welcome. And so we want to, uh, as much as we say all the time, body and soul, we want to bless the body, uh, bless the physical aspects of life so that we can bring spiritual life via the gospel and the good news of Jesus. And so we're excited to provide that opportunity for our community. All of those signups and information is in the lobby. We're encouraging you to mark that week off or mark a day off, even use your PTO or time off to say, instead of using this day for vacation, I'm going to use it to serve. And I know God will honor that. So we're going to overwhelm our city with God's love. So please join us for that. Now, this uh, week and over the next few weeks, we're having a series called The Instructions of Reconstruction. And I want to go ahead and make sure to welcome those of you who may be here, maybe a family or a friend uh, brought you. Maybe they told you that we were going to address some of the uh, cultural issues of the day to help think biblically about it and to try to help you address your doubts and skepticisms about Christianity. Maybe you're watching online because somebody gave that to you, that information to you. I just want to say I'm so glad that you are here, we are going to spend the next few months, uh, next month, addressing the biggest questions of life and also some of the ethical, social issues of the day to help you think biblically about it. So in the next four weeks, today we're answering the question, what should I believe? Next week, we answer the question, who am I? It's all about identity, where you find your identity. The next week, we're going to answer, where do I belong? in terms of your, your, your fitting in, and what were you made for, what group of people were you made to be around. 
And what is my purpose? What's the meaning of life? How can I line up my life? These are the three questions that even researchers have shown are the most essential questions to human life. And so we want to answer those. And then this Saturday at our City Light Conference, we're going to think very biblically and critically and uh, helpfully, hopefully, about the yard signs you see everywhere. Maybe you even have one. The, this, in this house, we believe. And then there's a bunch of statements about that. Uh, and we want to think biblically about it. What can we affirm? What must we deny? What does the Bible have to say about phrases like that? What's good about it? What's bad about it? And we want to do the best we can to help each one of you navigate uh, how to be a Bible-believing Christian in these days uh, and to also help many of you maybe discern what does it mean to be a Christ follower in terms of these issues? How do I understand the Bible in regards to these things? And how does that affect my relationship with Jesus? And so we want this to be really helpful to you. Also, every Thursday night after our prayer meeting called Restore at 6.30, at 8 o'clock, we're doing a leadership cohort. It's available to anyone. We're going to answer the questions about Christianity and sexuality, slavery, suffering, and salvation. And so those are four topics we're going to be addressing as well. So just the whole month, all right? We're trying to do everything we can. Uh, one of my desires uh, for many of you, you have a bad taste in your mouth about Christianity because you were raised... Uh, with what some would call cultural Christianity, which is more cultural than Christianity. And what has been passed down to you has been more traditions as opposed to the Bible and Jesus. And I want to make sure for many of you that you don't throw away the baby with the bathwater, that you don't lose everything because you're confused about some things. Uh, it's a very popular term these days at least, especially in younger circles and on TikTok, it's called deconstruction. And so the idea is that many people, and this has been happening for all of time, and just now there's a name for it in this way, in this age, where people are taking the beliefs that have been passed down to them, usually religious, traditional, a lot of times Christian. Uh, people are taking maybe even some of the more beliefs that are held today but are being pushed out, and they're deconstructing. They're pulling those beliefs out of their life, and they're trying to reconstruct a new life based off new beliefs, a new worldview. And so what we talk about in the video is that everybody's building a life brick by brick. You're building a life. But what you don't consider is that every brick you lay has a belief behind it. Whether you realize it or not, whether it was intentional or not, everything about your life, every choice that you make, every big and small decision, every way of living that you decide to live is a brick that you're laying. That brick has a belief behind it about what's wrong, what's right, what's true, what's not, what's beautiful, what's not, what's good, and what's not. And we're all building our lives. And what I want to do today and for the next month, is meet many of you in the midst of your reconstruction, maybe many of your friends and family in the midst of their reconstruction, and help us understand what bricks should I use to build my life? Because everybody's doing it different. And the world says this, and different religions say this, and different things say this, and I feel this in my life. So these can't all possibly be right. They're actually contradictory towards one another. So you're going to have to pick a way to live in light of the fact that everybody has a different opinion about what's right and wrong. What should we pursue? What should we not? How should I live my life? What bricks should I use to build my life? And everybody here, whether you're doing it or not, has to think intentionally about that question to understand the kind of life that you're building. And so some of you are ready just to throw all of Christianity away. Maybe some of your friends and family are ready to do that. And I'm here to say, hold up a minute. Let me at least reveal to you the essence of true Christianity without all of the stuff added to it. And then you decide based on that. 
And there's many of you in the room that feel pretty firm in your faith. Praise God, you feel strong about your relationship with God. The Bible says, 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, and do it with gentleness and respect. And so the goal here for many of you is to be ready to give a reason for some of the things that you believe instead of stumbling over your words or trying to dodge certain questions or issues in culture. The Bible has sufficient answers for us, and the Lord wants you to be equipped. And to do it, this is so important, these two words are not words you find in the world, gentleness and respect. And so something I want to make sure everyone's aware of as we talk through these issues is for me, the goal is not to win, the goal is worship. I'm not here to win an argument or to win a way of thinking or to persuade you about something particularly like that. I'm here so that we may lead towards greater worship of God. And so that in your life, you can live a life that honors him. You were made to know and love him. Your life, the most important word about your life is worship. What do you worship? Who do you worship? Why? And what I want to do as we're talking about this, for many of you who are already Christ followers, is help you be more firm in your faith that it may lead towards greater worship because you're established in the truth. And for many of you to switch over from worshiping yourself or the world around you to worshiping the God who made you. It's not about winning. It's about worship. And I want to do this as carefully as possible. One of the words I've been praying for over this month as we touch on some of these issues is just carefulness. I'm not here to fight. I'm not here to win an argument. I'm not here to do any of that. And the world around us is just, that's all anybody wants to do is claim a position and just kill everyone else that doesn't hold that position. And I'm not here to do that. I believe this is true, and this is most certainly very true. Uh, But at the same time, I want to deliver it with gentleness and respect. And so I want you to know from the beginning that that is at least my goal, and I hope the Lord gives me the grace to do that as well as I can. I also want you to know that at least from me as one of the leaders here, that City Light is and should always be a safe place for you to share your doubts and your personal struggles that you're afraid might be judged. I want you to know that this is a safe place to express certain things that you know aren't right, but you're trying to figure out how to navigate. This is a safe place for you to be who you are so that Jesus can meet you there and help you become who he wants you to be. And I want you to know that, that it's progress, and we're all learning and making more progress with God as we learn more about him. And so this is a safe place for you to be who you are so that we can meet you there, and most importantly, Jesus can meet you there, and as he's doing with all of us, transforming us to make us more like him. Nobody in here is perfect, and so we're all navigating these things together. And so I want you to feel um, all of the discussion about these topics with gentleness, respect, care, concern, and most importantly, it's about worship, not winning. So that's what we're after. I want to give you four resources. I have been reading an awful lot these last couple months just to be as ready as I can. And I'm going to give you four of my favorite. Obviously, there was more than this, but I'm going to give you four on the screen. So Confronting Christianity and the Secular Creed by Rebecca McLaughlin, Before You Lose Your Faith, edited by Ivan Mesa, and The Reason for God by Tim Keller. Uh, These I have found super helpful, and if you're interested and willing to dive more into these topics, uh, please, please get these books. They will help you. So Genesis 1 is where we're going to be. This is important because to decide the bricks we should build our life with, we must go back to the beginning and provide a foundation. So here's the foundation that God provides for us. 
Genesis 1.26 says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. A side note there is, uh, you may be looking at me thinking, Nate, it's 95 degrees outside. Why do you have a hoodie on? Have you lost your mind? And I'm here to say, I'm here to sweat for Jesus, okay? I saw uh, one of our pastors, Taylor, with this shirt last week, and I was like, I'm preaching on, this is the Imago Day, which is the image of God, which is Genesis 126. I was like, that's literally my sermon, these two words. I got to wear that hoodie, okay? So he gave it to me, and it was 90 degrees, but I thought necessary to continue you, uh, so you have a visual representation along with some words about what does the image of God look like. So there's a reason for my madness, all right, for those of you that are thinking, I can't trust him, he's wearing a hoodie right now, it makes no sense. Uh, There's a reason for it. All right, so verse 28, and God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, what I love about this passage is from the very beginning, God already answers the primary questions in life, identity, like who am I, and purpose, what should I be doing? He says from the very beginning, you are a person made by God in the image of God, and that you have a purpose to rule the earth along with God. And this is the purpose and the identity God has given us from the very beginning And so what I want to do with this truth is two main things today. I have two main goals. The first is to show you that the truth of Christianity is foundational. It's a necessary truth for many of the things you already believe or want to believe. And then the truth of Christianity is freeing. And as you navigate the truth claims of Christianity and what they look like in comparison to some of the other claims of the world or some of the other things you may feel in your own heart, I want you to see today these two necessary things, that the truths are presented in the Bible, are foundational, they're not optional, and they're freeing. Instead of being restrictive, which is the reputation, they're freeing. And so those are my two goals to show you today. They're foundational and freeing. So first, foundational. Look at verse 26. Let us make man in our image. The image of God, the Imago Dei, is absolutely essential to any understanding of human value, dignity, and worth. And apart from people being made in the image of God, there is no real rational reason for human rights or for any of the things that follow. The image of God and the truths presented here in the scriptures is necessary for us to pursue things like equality, rights, and justice. And as we try to navigate how to be a people who do these things and live our lives well, we must be a people who affirm Genesis chapter 1 and affirming Genesis chapter 1, everything else in the Bible, that we are people made in the image of God. And I love this because God's already answering your most important questions from the beginning. And let me tell you the reason some of you or some of your family and friends are confused and frustrated because trying to live in the world without starting with God is like picking up a book in the middle and then being frustrated you don't understand the plot. You picked it up at page 200, and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. This whole thing is weird. Where is my place in this? And that's exactly what it's like trying to navigate your life with what the world says in 2021 or what you feel on the inside of your heart, and you've only been around a few years. 
How in the world are you going to answer questions about your identity and purpose by talking to a bunch of people who are living in 2021 or by looking side of yourself who's only been alive a few years? How in the world are you going to get the source of those deep questions from the world around you or yourself when they're so limited? That's exactly what it's like. And that's why so many of you are frustrated. And that's why it feels like to search and search and scramble because you can't find the answers to these questions and you're frustrated with the plot line of your life and you're misunderstanding God's intention for you because you're starting in the middle. You're starting with what's around you. You're starting with yourself. And let me tell you, you did not start yourself and 2021 is not the only year in the world. And if you're just looking at those two things, you're starting at page 200. And that's how so many of your people are trying to build a life. They're starting at page 200 and trying to understand the narrative of the world. And it does not work. So God, from the very beginning, gives you the answer to life's most important questions. Who are you? What is your purpose? Why are you here for? And most importantly, why are you valuable and worthy? Why? Why is human life distinct? Why do we not treat each other like animals, which we do sometimes, which is sad, but why is this inherent desire to say, you're different than a cow and I should treat you differently than that? Why? Why would you believe that? Who said? By what authority? You both have eyes. You both eat and drink. You both are alive. What makes the difference? Why should anybody be treated differently than anybody else. Why in the world would we believe that people are equal? Isn't it true that might makes right? You get what you can, you do the best at it. I want you to see for a minute now that the reason so many people in the world desire these three things, equality, justice, and rights. These are the three words of our age, equality, justice, and rights. These are the three things everybody's trying to pursue and get and believe in. But what people misunderstand is without the foundations of Christianity, you have no basis to pursue equality, justice, and rights. There's no reason. Because now you have no reason to believe that humans are worth anything, or that human beings are distinct, or that it's bad to be oppressed, and that justice should come to those that are vulnerable. Who said? Just because that's what you feel? If you lose Christianity altogether, you lose the foundation upon which you build your whole life. What you need to see in the world around you is that the resources from the Christian worldview are necessary for the beliefs the world wants to pursue. And so often what people are attempting to do is use the very resources of Christianity to talk about equality while trying to get rid of Christianity. Because in their mind, Christianity doesn't create equality. But they had no idea what equality meant apart from Genesis 126. There's no other reason. And so you must see that today. So this is what I want to show you. I'm going to give you a couple uh, uh, quotes from books that I've been reading, and then I'm going to show you the example. Because trying to build a life of justice, equality, and rights while undermining the truth of the Bible and the existence of God is like trying to build up on a Jenga set while at the same time taking out from the bottom. It doesn't work, and that's what you're going to see in a minute. Let me give you a couple quotes about this reality. Without the God of the Bible, our ideas of human equality and justice have no foundation. The very idea of human rights is, as Harari, and Harari's not a Christian, 
as Harari argues, a Christian invention. So we need Christianity to be right for human rights abuses to be wrong. What she'll claim in this book, and this is Secular Creed, which I find very helpful and you should get, that many people reject Christianity's moral claims by using a morality that came from Christianity. And that's called hypocrisy. (laughs) And you can't do that. Logically, it doesn't work. Just outside of spiritual things, logically, it's not, it doesn't hold up. So without a human right, we need Christianity to be right for human rights abuses to be wrong. Let me show you the, the logical inference of getting rid of God, especially of getting rid of the Bible. This famous atheist, Richard Dawkins, who's written many things about this, uh, says this, the universe we observe has no design, no purpose, right? So there's no Genesis 126. Because there's no Genesis 126, there's no evil and no good. There's nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. DNA doesn't know or care. DNA just is, and we dance to its music. And to be true to the position, any true atheist and anybody who gets rid of God altogether out of their worldview must, by necessity, get rid of any ability to call anything right or wrong. It's a necessary conclusion, and only real, true atheists will make it that far because many people want to get rid of God, but they want to maintain beliefs and morality. You ought not to kill someone. Well, says who? Might makes right. And so now we see from this truth that if you get rid of God, you get, a, you get rid of the very reason upon which you build desires for equality, justice, righteousness, all of these things. And to hold a position apart from God is to hold a position that's apart from morality. Imagine, if all you are is a bunch of atoms and chemical firings, then of course you have no inherent value and worth. Why would you, if all you are is what science can discover? He's right, Richard Dawkins. If there is no God, there is no good. There's no evil. There's nothing, because you have no standards by which to use. You might as well be a plant. Who cares? Who cares what happens to you? Now, when I say something like that, and when he says something like that, everything in you says, no way! That cannot be the case. That's impossible. Of course there's right and wrong. And that's a really good desire, but you got to take it to its end. The only place to have a firm desire is in the scriptures. You can't believe that apart from Genesis 126. And every even reasonable, secular, non-Christian, non-God-believing person would agree with that. There's no foundation. So Christianity... The truth of Christianity is foundational. So here's what I want to show you, okay? So imagine, like I said, trying to build a worldview apart from Christianity is like trying to build up on Jenga while you take the bottom out. And so, so many of you, if you're deconstructing or somebody around you is maybe getting rid of some traditional beliefs. And like I said before, some things have been passed down to you that are not good and that the the truth of Christianity has been covered by the traditions of men. And what some may call legalism or some may call whatever to say they pass down to you a little bit of the truth, but it's, it's clouded and all this messiness. And you should rightfully get rid of some of that. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't think critically about it. But what I am saying is you're going to you got to be careful as you consider how you do this. So many people are like this. They have their whole life and they think, okay, it's 2021. So let's say the, the sexual ethic of the Bible, one man, one woman, marriage for 
How bigoted is that? You know, that is way, you know, I was raised in that, and I still appreciate maybe God and some of those things, but I just can't, I, that's naive, that's caveman, like, no, that's, I can't believe anybody would believe that, right? So you pull that out, and maybe some of you are there now to say, I still want to hold on to some of, some of those things, but I can't. It's 2021, guys, okay? Love is love. So you pull that out, you put it over there, all right? And you say, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And, and then you keep thinking through stuff about your own personal preferences, you know, as a matter of fact, I don't really like people telling me what to do, you know. Uh, I'd rather decide for myself. And so I'm just going to start deciding for myself. I still like Jesus gives me really good advice, you know. Like I think some of these things are helpful. What a nice dude. Um, But I just, you know, submitting to everything he says, that seems a little radical. I don't really want to do that. And so I'm starting to, those are pretty foundational. But then there's some other stuff here. That's like my understanding of the scriptures or any social issues. I just begin to say, ah, no, 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 that's not me. I'm going to take that out. And then I just keep doing this with the beliefs that I were given or even some of just the traditional beliefs of Christianity and the Bible as they're presented to me. And I say, I would love to hold on to some of my roots, but I'm going to start taking these things off. Now, what you're going to realize is the more you begin to pick apart and choose the things you want to believe and not believe, the more difficult it gets to begin to build the foundation, to begin to build the life on top of the foundation. And it gets, it gets wacky and out of whack, and your life becomes unbalanced because now you're trying the tricky in-between of building a life while taking apart the foundation. And that simply doesn't work, and it begins to collapse. And now this is where people get eventually to say, well, I'm just going to get rid of the whole thing because the Bible just can't. God just, I just can't do any of that. Whatever it might be, I want to do me. And if I'm going to really do me, and if I'm going to really follow my heart, the necessary conclusion is I have to get rid of everything else. And so for me to really pursue my life, I got to get rid of, like Richard Dawkins was saying, I got to get rid of Genesis 1. I got to get rid of the Bible. I can't maintain these things anymore. And so that's the ultimate end of deconstruction. Say, so I'm going to start taking these little pieces apart. And you're building your life, but it's getting pretty sketchy, and it's like, this is sort of not working, sort of working, but I'm maintaining. But eventually you're like, I'm tired of all this. I give it up. And you say, I'm just going to pull this one out from the bottom. And as soon as you pull out the essentials of Christianity, the truth that God is, and that you are made in the image of God, you have pulled out the very foundation upon which you build everything else. And so now you're in this position. Remember our three words, justice, rights and equality, okay? That's the mantra of the age, justice, rights, and equality. And Christians are all for justice, rights, and equality. The Bible is all for these things. Uh, The Bible pursues them. As a matter of fact, the Bible is the very reason people think this way. And so when you see, okay, this is taken away, but you still have your three bricks, justice, rights, and equality, but now you have nothing to build on, and it's like trying to build in the air, and this is what your life looks like. You're trying to live out the purpose of the world around you. You're trying to live a life of meaning and significance, but you've pulled out the very foundation upon which all these beliefs are built, and if humans are not made in the image of God, there is no reason to pursue rights, equality, and justice. It is just the way it is, and you make the best of it the best you can. Nothing right, nothing wrong. So, so many of you are now, you're doing this. This is your deconstructing. And what happens is, eventually, you just have to hold it there yourself. Because you're like, I've lost my foundation, so it's really up to me. It's up to me to maintain these beliefs. I now have I declared myself the source of all things right and wrong. And so since I've gotten rid of any authority or especially any Bible or God, now I'm limited to what I can do. 
And so because there's no foundation, I can't even really build up more bricks. There's only so much I can do with my life because in an attempt to be free, I have become enslaved to me, to what I can do to my brain and my wisdom. And so now, so many of you, maybe even in the room or some of your friends and family, this is what it looks like. You're trying to uphold the values of the world. You're trying to uphold values of justice, rights, and equality, which are also values of the Bible, defined appropriately, but you can't have the foundation anymore, and now it's impossible to build your life. And so you're in the process of doing it on air, or you've given up on that, and you're just like, I'll uphold it myself, and eventually your arms are going to get tired, and you're going to do this, and you're going to say, this is not true. I'm on page 250, and this book don't make no sense. And this is what I want you to see today from this example, that Christianity is not the truth of Christianity, not cultural Christianity, the traditions, the truth, the essence of Christianity from the Bible, is foundational, not optional, if you are going to pursue rights, equality, and justice. It's foundational, not optional, and this is no matter what you think about it. It's a necessary truth that has to exist, and if it does not exist, you have no foundation upon which to build a life that pursues equality, rights, and justice. And so many of you are in that position now, and I want you to see today that the truth of Christianity is foundational, not optional. And if you give that away, you give away the very foundation upon which you build all your other beliefs. And so many of you would love to uphold justice, rights, and equality so you can fit in with how the world wants to define them, but you've gotten rid of God to do it, and now the only thing left is you're holding it yourself. And you're in that position now. But God wants to build the foundation for you So the truth of Christianity is foundational, not optional. The second thing we're going to see is the truth of Christianity is freeing, freeing. This is so good, okay? I'm so excited about this. The truth of Christianity is freeing. Now, when anybody, and many of us have been through that, especially if you were maybe raised with some of these things, when anybody tries to deconstruct or let go of some beliefs, or really when any of us try to do what we want to do, the effort is to be free. As a matter of fact, we don't really care about what's right and wrong. We just want to do what we want to do. Right? This is really what happens when you come to new beliefs. It's not a matter of assessing truth and untruth, right and wrong. It's a matter of saying, well, I want to be free to do what I want to do. And so whatever I have to do to do that, that's what I'm going to do. I want to be free. Set me free from these old ways of thinking. Set me free from these ridiculous standards and rules. Set me free from these traditions and overly conservative ways of thinking. Set me free from these things I want to be free. And in our effort to be free, what I want to show you today is we simply just enslave ourselves to something else. You want to be free, but many of you have already had this experience that in your effort to be freedom, effort to be free, you simply destroyed yourself. And this is what you need to see today. Because Christianity gets the reputation of being narrow and restrictive. And there's certainly some truth to that. The Bible says you must die to yourself. There are certain ways that are appropriate to live and certain things that are not. There are certain things God approves of and certain things that are not. This is true. And I want to go ahead and help some of you think through, man, some of the things that are narrow and restrictive have been passed down to you by tradition and you ought to discard because they're keeping you from believing the real things of the Bible. 
because you grew up in an overly, the word is legalist environment where it's all about your precise behavior according to these precise rules and all these extra things that people add to these general uh, moral commands in the Bible. And I wanna say you need to think carefully and critically about that. Maybe somebody has passed down the right truth uh, in the wrong clothing. And I wanna make sure you're understanding that, but you also must realize, yes, Christianity and the views of the Bible and the way God asks us to live is of course narrow and restrictive in many ways. But here's what you must realize is that real freedom requires real limits. Listen, this is so important. This is just logical, also spiritual. Real freedom requires real limits. Much like a fish is not free until it lives in the confines of the water, so people are not free until they live in the confines of God's word. And the the few moments of freedom a fish may feel being out of the water will soon be followed by death and destruction. And so it is with our own beliefs when we follow our own way and we seek our own freedom. It may feel free for a moment, but it's necessarily going to lead towards our death and destruction. And maybe some of you have already experienced that. Your life is in shambles because of your own efforts to be free. You recognize that you need a solution. Well, God has one for you today. Maybe some of you are in the freedom area now where you feel like I've set free of these things and I'm doing good. And what I want you to see is you're like a fish out of water. And true freedom comes within real limits. Listen to me, you need to write this down. Real freedom is not being free to do whatever you wanna do now, but being free to do what is best for you forever. Please hear me, please hear me, because the world keeps saying, be free, be free, be free. And what I want to tell you is, no, for real, be free. I want you to actually be free. Real freedom is not being free to do whatever you want to do now, but being free to do what is best for you forever. What you must see from the scriptures, John 8, 31, Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What if, hold with me for a second, what if it was God's intention to make you the freest person in the world? What if it's God's desire to set you free? One of my favorite passages, Psalm 45, he says, and I will walk in a wide place. What if God's intention is to actually give you real freedom, but to do so by according to your design, like a fish in water, Real freedom crumbs with real limits. So John 8, 31, Jesus promises freedom. So Jesus promises freedom, but how does the freedom come? It comes with restrictions. What makes you free? Well, submitting to the word of God. Freedom comes from submission to a truth outside of yourself. That's how God's way of being free. Like a fish in water, I am in the water and I should be in the water and now I'm free to go wherever I wanna go. As soon as I come out of the water, I lose all my freedom. Now the world, so Jesus promises freedom by submission to the truth, a truth that exists outside of you and that exists outside of culture. A truth that exists outside of 2021 and outside of the news networks and outside of our brains. It's a truth that exists outside of ourselves. It's called absolute truth. Jesus wants you to submit to the truth and in your submission to the truth and in your living within his restrictions, you find your real freedom according to your design. Now the world promises you freedom as well, but the freedom the world promises you isn't through submission to the truth, but escaping any idea of truth. The world's version of freedom is that you would run away from any truth that restricts you self-expressing you. So the world's truth is therefore relative. It's not absolute, it's subjective to each person. It's like a fish out of water. 
Now, both of these worldviews offer you freedom, God and the world. The question is, which one really provides freedom? That's what you need to answer. If you're going to distinguish how I should live my life, whether I'm really going to live according to the Bible's ethics that are counter to the world, who's going to actually allow me to be who I really need to be? Who's going to set me free? Here's a verse in 2 Peter. It says, they promised them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. And this is a verse to define the world, that they promise you freedom, but they're really going to enslave you. God promises you freedom to the end that he would actually set you free. Here's something for you to consider. Listen, listen closely to me. If your freedom comes in the name of doing what the world approves of, then you are now a slave to what the world approves of. You haven't set yourself free. You've traded bosses. And you've traded out a really good one who loves you and died for you for one that doesn't care a rip about you and will use you for their own end. No human being is truly free. You understand me, right? In spiritual terms, the Bible says you're either a slave to God or you're held captive by the devil. Those are the only two categories in the world. And for you to even consider now, you're either a follower of Jesus or you're a follower of the world. You are not deciding for yourself exactly what you think is right. You're pulling from different places and you're letting other authorities speak over you, and that's true for everyone. You are not free. Don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself to think you are making the decisions about your life according to what your brain says is best. You're not. You're being discipled somewhere. And it's so foolish to think I'm gonna find my freedom by letting go of God's restrictions. So if your freedom comes in the name of the world, then you're, you're a slave to what the world approves of. And what the world approves of, hear me, changes all the time. Come on, you gotta learn, like do your history, okay? The world has always decided different things are right and wrong. Apart from the scriptures, we're just doing this. Richard Dawkins, the atheist, says morality exists in the air, and it just changes every 10 years or so. Of course, because everybody just comes to some general consensus. They all say, that's right. And then 10 years later, they say, no, of course that's not right. Can you imagine that being the thing you're saying? That's what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust my life in this. And they're going to change their mind in five years. And you know what this feels like to say, if my approval comes from the world, then I'm a slave to the world. It's the same thing with your life. If your approval comes from a friend or a social circle, then you're a slave always to what they think of you. Because your identity has come from them. And if they don't give it to you, then you don't have one. So you're a slave to what they think. Or if your approval comes from your work and your status, you're a slave to your boss and you're a slave to those who can promote you. Because your identity comes from being successful. So now you're a slave to them. This happens all the time, all the time. And you know the experience to say, whatever I submit myself to, I'm a slave to that. So if I'm free in the name of doing what the world says is okay, then I'm a slave to what the world approves of, and that will change. And it will also disappoint. Or how about this one? If your freedom comes in the name of expressing yourself, you are now a slave to yourself. You're a slave to what you can think, you're a slave to what you can provide for yourself. Just like this, if you say, I will live by what I see on the inside of me, and I will express myself no matter what anybody else says about it, you're going to spend your whole life doing this. Your arms are going to get real tired. It's not going to work out. Because you're now a slave to what you can provide for yourself. There's nothing outside of yourself. The irony of you trying to set yourself free by dismissing any authority is that now you're the only one left. 
So you must uphold everything about yourself. You must provide everything for yourself. You must be the resource by which you pull information about the world. It's it. It's you. And now you're a slave to you and what you can do and what you can provide. And that's obviously going to be limiting and frustrating. The irony of these efforts to follow the world or to follow your heart is that in your desire to be free, you've created greater restrictions for yourself. This is what it looks like to follow the world or follow your heart. Now, here's the new one. If your freedom comes in the name of Jesus, then you are a slave to him. This is why the Bible writers always said, they used the word doulos all the time, as bondservant, slave. They depicted themselves as a slave to God, that God is the master. Now listen to me. Unlike the other options, your slavery now is to one who loves you and cares for you so much that he came to die for you. Unlike your other options, your slavery is now like a fish in water. It is according to your design. It is actually the type of restriction that will give you freedom. Unlike your other options, it is now a freedom to do what is best for you, not just now, but forever. Listen to me, please. God, don't let anybody tell you God doesn't want you to be happy. You know what? God wants you to be happy forever. And the world's trying to force you and tell you to be happy now. And God is saying, if you will follow my way now, not only will he satisfy you right now, but you will have to die to self, and that will be painful, but you will be happy forever. And so now, which one are you going to choose? The world says, be happy now, and if you follow that, you will be destroyed apart from God forever in a place called hell. And God says, follow me and die to self now, and I will make you happy forever. Tell me which one makes sense. Which one makes sense? To be happy forever and to die now to self for a few years or to live it up now and be tormented forever? Which one makes sense? The world is tricking you. You are tricking yourself. God wants you to be happy, but the best kind of happy, the kind of happy that lasts forever. Come on, don't be lied to. Don't be foolish in this. The Lord loves you. He loves you so much he died for you. Come on, you're going to choose to be a follower of somebody. You have masters and bosses. Do you want one that loves you enough to die for you? Or do you want one that's just using you? I'm just pleading with you to not be taken away with the wind of the world because what it's offering you, it will not supply. But everything God promises is sure. This is what God has for you. This is a freedom that God bought with his own blood. It's a freedom from sin. It's a freedom from the wrath of God. It's a freedom from my own self-destructive ways. It's a freedom from everything that ails me. It's a freedom from captivity to the devil. It's a freedom, a true freedom that God is offering you now. Please do not trade the freedom God wants to give to make you happy forever with the freedom that the world is offering to make you happy for a minute. Please don't do that. Christianity is freeing. It is the exact opposite of restrictive because real freedom has real limits. Listen to this, Romans 6. Let me put some Bible on it. Verse 20, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Look at that. A slave of sin is a slave to your own heart and a slave to the world, the flesh. So whatever the world says, whatever your heart says, you're a slave to doing that without any discernment as to what's right or wrong or what God will want. But when you're a slave to sin, you are free in regard to righteousness. 
You didn't have to live by the law of God. You could take that, that biblical sexual ethic and just throw it away. I don't have to do that. That's stupid. I don't want to live by that. You could take all of God's views about this and just throw it away. I don't want to do any of that. I don't have to do that. You're free from that. And that's what everybody wants, right? I want to be free. I want to be free from this stupid old book. I want to be free from the things that I was taught. I want to be free from anybody telling me I can do what I want. And look what that, that's what he's explaining. When you're free in that regard, you're actually a slave of sin. But look, verse 21. Please, please hear me because I know so many of you are in this position now. I'm pleading with you. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. You know what the end of self-expression is? Death. You know what the end of my own freedom is? Death. You know what the end of doing what culture tells me to do is? Death. The end of those things is death. It's death. It's a fish out of water. It feels free for a couple minutes, but it's likely, I mean guaranteed, necessarily going to destroy you. The end of those things is death. The end of looking inside of myself and deciding how I should live is death. The end of going on TikTok and deciding how I should live is death. The end of me following social media and deciding how I should live is death. The end of me doing what culture agrees upon every 10 years is death. It's death, it's death, it's death. But look at verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin, praise God, you have become slaves of God. Which might sound off-putting to some of you, but this is what it gets you. Being a slave of God leads to sanctification and in its end, eternal life. Listen, do you hear what's happening here? When you trade the freedom the world wants to give you for the freedom God wants to give you, you're trading death for life. You're trading death for life. Look at verse 23. Many of you know this one. For the wages of sin, for the wages of following my own heart, for the wages of trusting the consensus of the world, for the wages of sin is death. But the free, 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 free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord, a.k.a. Master, a.k.a. Boss. The wages of living according to the world is death, but the free gift of God is that you would be happy forever. That's what God wants. And Jesus died on a cross to pay for your sins and rose again from the dead to secure a new life for you that if you would believe and trust in him, you could become happy forever. That's what God's offering you. That's the essence in the core of Christianity, that yes, you and I are sinners and slaves to sin, but God has come to set us free so that you may be truly free. Many of you in the room need to respond to that now, to trade out death for life, to trust and believe in Jesus Christ. The foundation, Christianity is the foundation, and Christianity is freeing, and this ought to direct our entire lives. Now, as we close, I just want to give you these five quick points to write down. I'm not preaching them. Don't worry. We're done. That was the sermon, okay? You need to respond to the sermon, but now I'm giving you five things to go apply to help as you maybe struggle with your own doubts or deconstruction process, to help a friend or family member as they struggle with their own understandings of Christianity, to help people as they're trying to get understand how Christianity was passed down to them and the core essence of it, 
And so respond to the message, that's where we're at, and now take these five things and go live them out. So number one, uh, how should you move forward as you're in this process? Number one, disentangle instead of deconstruct. And what I, what I mean from that is just don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. You know, like when you got all the cords together and you need the HDMI cord, you know, or all your jewelry's together, but you need the necklace, you don't just throw the necklace away. You disentangle and you get rid of all the stuff so you can pull the necklace out. You don't just say, well, we can't plug that into the TV. No, you disentangle the cables, you get the HDMI cord. That's what God wants to help you do now as you're thinking through, man, some of the things that were passed down to me were not in the spirit and character of Jesus. They were truthful, but not done with gentleness and respect. Maybe some of the things that were passed down to me weren't true at all, and now I'm understanding what the real Jesus is like. I want you to disentangle instead of deconstruct. Don't just throw it all away. Take time. Pull stuff apart. Think through how you were raised or what you were taught or what you're believing now, what you struggle with. Don't just throw the whole necklace away. Pull it out. Number two, choose wisdom over wit. Wit rules social media. Wisdom rules spirituality. And so many of you, as I just mentioned before, and I even had a parent come up and talk to me about after, especially young ones, are being discipled by TikTok. That's not a joke. And you find all of your reasoning for the worldview you're creating from 15 to 20 second videos being made on TikTok. That's wit. How foolish it would be to build your life off of one-liners. Choose wisdom. Slow down. Think through what is being said. This follows from that point. Number three, prioritize long-form work and long-term relationships. Let wisdom come from wrestling with nuance and complexity. Don't build an entire life off of one-liners and quick hits. And you're doing that. If you're building your worldview from social media, you are building a worldview from one-liners and quick hits. You need to go deeper than that. You need to go deeper than that. Prioritize long-form work. Sermons, podcasts, books, articles, things that have been thought through. These kind of beliefs require nuance and complexity as they're lived out. We're foolish to think, oh, it's just, well, this is true now. It's easy to apply in every situation. Of course not. It requires nuance and complexity. Our culture hates nuance and complexity. We pick a position and we die on that hill. But real wisdom is found in these details of nuance and complexity. So prioritize long things. I've always said, respect the with these kind of issues we're talking about this month, I will only do it in long talks. I'm not giving a three-minute video about it. No, 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 no. I'll preach a sermon. I'll write an article, whatever. And I'll only digest that stuff. Give me a book. I'm not taking what somebody said on TikTok for 20 seconds. And you need to do that too. Put in the work. Number four, slow down and read the Bible. Come on. So many, I get this all the time. I hate what the Bible says about this. Have you read the Bible? No. Oh, my goodness. And for those of you who say, I don't know how the, have you, are you reading the Bible? Like, read the Bible. Man shall not live by sermons alone. This sermon's not going to do it for you. You got to read the Bible day in, day out. Read it slow. Let it sink in and become the kind of person God wants you to become. And you can handle anything the world throws at you. Maybe some of you are so shaken by how to handle these cultural issues because you're not rooted in the Bible. Not that that makes it easy, but it gives you a firm foundation. Read the Bible. And for those of you that are like looking into these things, read the Bible. Don't knock something you haven't researched. Read it. Read it slowly. And listen, there are things in the Bible that are hard for me to understand. There are things in the Bible that I'm still sorting out. I recognize that things are difficult at times, and we still need God's supernatural wisdom to understand everything that he's saying in here. It's not always simple. But you wouldn't know how to deal with it until you read it. 
Read the Bible. And Christian, read the Bible, please, for the love of God. Don't just come to church and listen to sermons. Read the Bible. Number four, I mean, last one, number five, make sure you are dealing with the real Jesus first. This is the most important one to me because in all my conversations to people about social ethics or what the Bible says about behaviors or different things that people fight about, I always find that usually most of the time people haven't even made a decision about Jesus yet. And this is very important. If Jesus isn't Lord and didn't rise from the dead, then who cares what the Bible says? Throw it in the trash. I don't care. And I will not spend my time arguing with you about the ethics of the Bible until you've decided on Jesus. Because if Jesus is Lord, like God from heaven, if Jesus is the maker of the universe, then everything he says goes. And you would be foolish to say, oh, of course not. You know, it's crazy. I think it's crazy when people pick apart the Bible and keep things they like and get rid of things they don't like. You know what people do, when the, what people think about themselves when they do that? You know who's God? They're God. You know how crazy that is? They wouldn't sit there and say, I'm God. But you say, oh, you're gonna choose what to believe based off your thinking? then you've called yourself God. You've put yourself in the position. You should be offended when you read the Bible. You're a human being. Why are we so afraid of that? He's God. He should say things that change the way you live. And if he doesn't, you're not reading it. How crazy would it be for me to read this whole thing and be like, oh, God agrees with me with everything I've ever done. That's amazing. What a dumb book that would be. And you shouldn't love it. But God says things, and it alters your behavior in your life because it's God. And how crazy it would be to throw away the book because God said something you disagree with, you little human being. I can't take it, and I do that too. We're all guilty. It's so ridiculous. You take the whole thing, and you take it from him, or you throw it in the trash. And you live your whole life by it, or you live none of your life by it. It's all or nothing. Make a decision about Jesus. If he really is God, if he really did rise from the dead, if he really is Lord over the universe, then you ought not bat an eye about what he says about your behavior. But if he isn't God, you should not care a lick about what he says about your behavior. So stop wasting your time fighting about what the Bible says about ethical issues and make a decision about Jesus. And in all your talking, for those of you who have friends who are dealing with these things, Make them deal with Jesus first. I will not argue about Bible ethics until somebody makes a decision about Jesus. There's no point. Let's deal with him. And if he's Lord, then we can work through all the other stuff. If he's not, we should stop talking. There's no point. Deal with Jesus first. Help your friends and family members deal with Jesus first. And if you're here and you're struggling with what the Bible says about certain things, make sure you've made your decision about Jesus first. Let me pray for us. Let's respond to him. Heavenly Father, we love you. Oh, Lord, the world is complicated, and we're, we're so foolish, God. We're so sinful, and we just need your supernatural grace and mercy. We thank you, Romans 5, 8, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, thank you for the love of Jesus. Thank you for forgiving our sin. Thank you for the mercy and grace we find in your name. And I just pray now, Lord, that you would meet people where they're at and that you would allow them supernaturally to reconstruct their life based off the bricks we get from the Bible, Lord. Don't let anybody in here walk away foolishly living, following their own heart or following the wind of the world. God set people free in this room. 
set me free from my own heart and foolishness. So we love you, Lord. Would you take these truths, God, apply them to our lives and help us to build lives of worship that honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand, let's respond to the Lord.